So the series is called Love Like Jesus. We're looking right now at the verse Micah 6, 8 in this part of the series. And the verse goes like this. You heard it right at the end of the video. It says, He has shown you, O mortal, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Three things. Walk humbly with God, be with God, care about the rules, care, care about what's right, uh, have a connection with God, love mercy, be willing to do charity, love other people, sacrifice for others, and to act justly. Speak up against uh, 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 the structures that are unjust, uh, face injustice head on. Do these three things. Now, what I have noticed... Uh, as someone that grew up in the church, if you're new with evangelicalism or the church, you may not have noticed this, but I will tell you that over the course of the last 50 or 75 years, the generations have emphasized different parts of this. Now, let me tell you what I mean. Uh, if you look at my parents' generation, they were all about walking humbly with God. Man, they wanted to get it right. They wanted to get the rules right. They wanted to get their theology right, and if your theology wavered this way or that way, well, let's just start another denomination, like we'll split the church, and, and let's just make sure we get everything right. We follow the rules. I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go with girls that do, right? And, uh, you know, if you ask your grandparents, you might find, or maybe you remember this, some grandparents didn't cut the grass even on Sabbath or on the Lord's Day because they were all about trying to obey the rules. There was a lot of folks that said, we're not going to play cards. We're not going to drink alcohol. We're not even going to go to movies. There's no gambling. There's none of that. We're going we're to make sure that we don't break the rules. I went to Wheaton College, and when I went to Wheaton College, I had to sign something that said I would not dance. Now, the reason I had to sign that is because they looked at us and said, listen, if you start dancing, other people may start lusting after you, so there will be no dancing. And I thought to myself, have you seen me dance? Like, I promise there is no lusting going on when I do this, right? But that's what that generation was all about, is just make sure that we don't step across any lines because it's so important for us to get it right to be with God. Well, then there comes my generation, Gen X. We come with all of our parachute pants and our video games, and man, we just loved mercy. We wanted to help people. You remember Hands Across America? Remember that? Remember Band-Aid? You remember Live Aid? You remember all the things that we did to try and help people over in Africa? And, and, and we tried to give out charity and we tried to do all of those things. Do you remember when Michael Jackson and Cindy Lauper and Huey Lewis and all their friends got together and we sang? We are the world. We are the... I, I was in sixth grade choir and school and I was one of the kids that we, we learned it in sign language. We are the world. We are the children, right? Like that was a big deal back then. We wanted to help everybody. And then this generation that is around now, they are all about what? Justice. 
You hear it everywhere. We're going to stand up for those who don't have a voice, who can't stand up for themselves. We are going to go against the systemic wrongs. We're going to go against the racial injustice, the sexual injustice, the socioeconomic injustice, the environmental injustice. The question is, which generation was right? And the answer is, yes. All of them. What Jesus would teach, what God would teach is that loving like Jesus, that every one of these things is important. You have to to be serious about theology. You have to be serious about walking with God, about the expectations that God has. That's very important. You, You have to be serious about loving the people that God loves. You can't just leave that out. We're going to love the people that God loves. If they can't help themselves, we're going to help them. That's what justice is about. We're going to right the things that are wrong. We're going to stand up for those who can't stand up. Every one of those is important. You can't leave one out. Because when you leave one out, and I'll tell you this, John Tyson, a pastor in New York City, uh, shared this, and it's just super helpful to me, so I'm going to steal it all, okay? So if you like this, you'll cheer. If you don't like this, you send an email to John Tyson in New York City, okay? But here's what he does. He says, you know what? What happens if we leave one out? If we just love mercy and we act justly, I'm going to use my red one for this. Then we're in this zone here. And that's basically a secular humanism. The idea there is that we're going to make things right, we're going to help people, but we're like a humanistic organization. There's no Jesus involved. And so, honestly, there's a limit here because there's no eternal impact to this issue. The other problem with this is over the centuries, without God in the mix, a lot of times we we, we had to ask the question, who gets to determine, who gets to define what is justice and what is right? And so a lot of times it would be, well, might is right. If you're the more powerful nation, well, then you get to decide what's just. Or sometimes it was the majority rules. If the majority said slavery was okay, well, then we just said, well, slavery is okay. And so it's really important that we keep God in the mix so he can help us determine what is right and what is wrong. Now, what happens when you don't love mercy, but you act justly and you try to do things God's Way. Well, this is a sort of religious activism. This is the people that they're going to stand up for what's right no matter what, and they don't care who they walk over to do it. These are the people that are at rallies with big signs and bullhorns, shouting to people how much Jesus hates them and God hates them, and because and, we're going to try to get things right. These are the people that honestly, now you say, well, I would never be a part of that, but In a church growth movement, what would happen a lot of times is people would be very serious about how do we grow our church as fast as we can, help as many people to know Jesus, and oh, by the way, we're going to get as political as we can because we want to make everything right, and if you look at the church budget, there's hardly any money that's going out to help people. That's a religious activism. But what happens if you take... Uh, walking with God and this idea of loving mercy but leave out acting justly what I would call that is a moral irrelevance 
And I'm going to be honest, this is probably the church that I grew up in. If, if, we, if we erred some way, it was probably there. Because we, we were very serious about following God and understanding theology. We were very serious about trying to help other people to know God. We were very serious about um, um, helping people. We would write checks and send them all over the world. But did we ever speak up or out against injustice? No way. In fact, we kind of said, listen, if you don't kind of agree with us, you, you, you don't really belong. And we didn't say that overtly, but that was just kind of the, the idea. It's like, this is what we're about, this is what we're about. You start talking about this, and eh, you're not really all that welcome here. And so what's really important, what I think God would say, and what I think he would call us to, is we want to be all of these things. I think right there is the kingdom of God. I think that, that what we want to be is loving like Jesus. What it always includes is this idea of loving rightly, of, of always keeping theology, of always keeping God's standard, of God's, uh, uh, that we would be uncompromising in God's truth, no matter what the culture says. If God says it, then we're going to be serious about that. I think that we're going to love mercy, we're going to be charitable, we're going to be sacrificial with the resources that God has given us, with the time that God has given us. We want to be activated out in the community to help people who can't help themselves. And we're going to speak out when things are wrong, and when we need to go upstream to figure out the causes of things and, and work on those kinds of things and the systems and the structures. And that's what we want to be about. And if you want to be a church like that, could you just applaud real quick so that I know that you want to be a church like that. So loving like Jesus is always about those three things. Okay, so today, kind of focusing on uh, an introduction to this, but also really zeroing in a little bit on justice, Jesus is going to tell a parable, the Good Samaritan. And honestly, I think this idea is at the heart of the, the parable itself and why Jesus told it. Now, in our context, we call it the Good Samaritan. He's the Good Samaritan. If somebody in our world stops at a car accident to try and help somebody, we'd say, oh, what a Good Samaritan. Or if there's somebody that's uh, elderly in your neighborhood and you, you cut the grass for them, somebody might go, oh, you're a Good Samaritan. Now, that's in our context. In their context, they would never say a Good Samaritan. That, that, that just did not compute. The phrase Good Samaritan for Jewish people would be like us saying the good drug dealer, right? Or the good Taliban, you know, the good terrorist or something like that. It just didn't make sense. They never would have thought of a Samaritan as good because there was incredible uh, division and racial division between the two groups. They hated each other. The Israelites called the Samaritans dogs. In 722 B.C., the Babylonian captivity of the Israelites, they settled back into the region. The Assyrians who were in power at that time sort of kicked some Israelites out. Those Israelites intermarried with some of those Assyrians. And by intermarrying with them, the Israelites started looking at them and going, you're dogs, you're half-breeds, we don't, we, don't, we don't associate with you. And so the two groups just hated each other. And Jesus is going to take that animosity and flip it on its head and really teach us what it means to love like Jesus loved. Let's look at this together. Luke 10. On one occasion, an expert in the law. Now keep that in mind. He's an expert when it comes to the law with the theology, God's ex expectations. He stood up to Jesus or to test Jesus. Now catch his motivation there. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus, what What's written in the law, Jesus replies. 
How do you read it? And so the lawyer then recites the Shema. This is in Deuteronomy 6. Every young Jewish boy and girl would have this memorized. They would say, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And then this guy had been following Jesus' socials, okay? <laughs> He'd been following Jesus' teaching where Jesus had a couple of chapters earlier had taken that Shema. That was the central thing in Israel. And Jesus said, oh, and... Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus added that. Now what's interesting is that the lawyer knew that and he said, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now Jesus is quoting Leviticus 19 in that, uh, with love your neighbor as yourself, he said, which Leviticus 19 says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself, I am the Lord. So the definition of neighbor in Leviticus 19 is your neighbor is the people who are like you, who are with you. They're among your people. Who would you count as your people? I don't know. Would you? It's really up to you. Is it, is it the people that, are, that vote like you? Is it the people that look like you? People that, that worship like you? Who would you count as the people? You say, well, those are my kind of people. And the lawyer is thinking to himself, well, Leviticus 19, like what you said, Jesus, when you said love your neighbor is, I get to love, I need to love the people who are among my people. And so Jesus has a little different idea about that. That's why he doesn't quote the entire verse. Jesus goes on. He says, you have answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. And I wish the lawyer would have just stopped right there and moved on, but he doesn't. He says, but he wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In other words, Jesus, can you give me the bare minimum on this? What can I do, Jesus, to kind of to check the box of what you're saying but without really inconveniencing myself to go out of my way to love anybody who's not a part of my people? Because let's be honest, it's hard to love our own people. Sometimes. It's hard to love your family sometimes. Yeah, it's hard to love your, your own people sometimes. And Jesus is saying, I want you to love other people as well. I want you to love everybody. That's what loving like Jesus entails. And we want to look at this guy and sort of judge him. But the truth is, all of us from time to time love to sort of divide in our language. We, we, we sort of want to say, hey, look at the, the, the socialist Democrats. Or look at the, the right-wing Republicans. We divide ourselves. Or the boomers are going, look at the lazy millennials, you know. Or the millennials are like, look at the boomers who actually make phone calls instead of text. Like, please, don't do that anymore, you know. Nobody picks on Gen X, by the way. We're like the middle child that nobody cares about. Are you with me on that? There's like no, there's not very many of us. And so they don't really pick on us a whole lot, which I like. Anyway. Jesus is saying, no, 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 it's not about this minimum requirement. Typical fashion, though, Jesus doesn't just answer the question. He launches into a parable, a made-up story to teach this guy and all of us and anybody who was listening back then, really, who is your neighbor? 
Luke 10.30, and, and you probably know the story. It says, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jer- Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. This is the Jericho Road. This is a very well-worn, well-known road. It's 17 miles between Jericho and Jerusalem. It drops 3,000 feet. You can sort of see the elevation dropping there. And this is a place where people would go back and forth. And it was well-known... Um, as a place where robbers would come. It's a very dangerous place. Josephus in the first century called this the bloody way. Many people were attacked there. That's just what happened. Luke 10.30, Jesus sort of uses that. He says, they, they st- uh, uh, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came, it's basically a priest as well back then, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Priests and Levites, they understood the rules. They understood what God wanted, that sort of thing. The priests and the Levites, there were 11,000 of them that lived in Jericho that would travel up to Jerusalem on this road to practice and to serve during worship services. Jesus uses them, and he says, now this is something very interesting, he says, they were coming down the road. That's a very interesting uh, detail, because what Jesus was saying is, they're coming back from Jerusalem, back to Jericho, they're coming down the road. If they were going up the road, they would be going to serve at the temple. If they were going to serve at the temple, the lawyer would have known this, everybody, the, 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 the priest would have known this, had they touched a dead body, they couldn't have served at the temple. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't have done it. But they weren't. They were coming back from church, right? They'd heard the message. They'd served in kosher kids. And now they're coming back. And Jesus is saying, you know what? His point is this. Now, sure, if they had to, uh, if they'd touched a dead body, they would have had to purify themselves, wash, and that sort of thing. But Jesus is basically saying they could have helped the guy. Because the lawyer could have said, well, you know, it wasn't right to touch a dead body. And Jesus is saying, but yeah, but he, they could have. It's not just about this. It's also about this. It goes on, Luke 10, 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds. In other words, he touched him. Pouring on oil and wine, it cost him money. Then that, that he put the man on his own donkey. It inconvenienced him. It was, it was hard for him. Now he had to walk by himself. He, he, he didn't have a donkey anymore. Brought him to an inn and took care of the man. He spent the night taking care of this guy. His time. The next day he took out two denarii and he, he paid for the medical care of this guy. And he gave him to the innkeeper. And he said, look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have had. So Jesus is basically saying, hey, it's not just about this. It is also about this. This is what I'm trying to get you to understand. Is it also about loving mercy? But then Jesus teaches something else. In his story, he says that he casts the hero as the Samaritan. And the people would have gasped because Jesus said the Samaritan robbed the guy. The people would have said, well, that makes sense. Those dogs. But Jesus said, no, he's the good guy in the story because Jesus wants to teach us something else about loving like he would love. 
And so he asks this question to try and make the point. In verse 36, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? This question that redefines what it looks like to love your neighbor. Luke 10, 37, the expert in the law replied, well, I guess it's the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, what I love is that the guy can't even call him a Samaritan. He's the one who had mercy on all of them. Jesus says, go and do likewise. Folks, I think what we learn from this is that loving like Jesus involves all three of these things. I think that it involves going outside of, the, of just what you think might be your neighbor or your people and loving people who are not like you. And I believe that we as a church have an opportunity like never before because we live in a world that is more divided than ever, ever. We are divided over sexuality, we are divided over gender identity, we're divided over politics, we're getting ready to have an election, yay. (laughs) Abortion, climate change, generational gap, gun control, immigration. And Jesus prayed in John 17, Pray that they may be one. And he said that the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In other words, your unity will stand against all the disunity in the world in such a stark contrast that people will look at you and go, wow, there's something different about you. But the truth is that for most of our churches, there's nothing different about us. The truth is, a year ago, if somebody wore a mask and somebody didn't wear a mask, we're like, well, I'm going to a different church. What is that about? Are you a vaxxer, anti-vaxxer, that sort of thing? We're going to divide over those things. Let it not be so. Not in God's united church, in his kingdom. And so I call us to be a place that, doggone it, we are going to be uncompromising when it comes to this. If God says it, then I don't care what the culture says. We're going to stand up. We're going to teach it. We're going to make make this known. We're going to be a place that is sacrificially loving those who need our help. We're going to meet needs wherever we can. And we're going to stand up and say the things that are maybe uncomfortable to say. All right. Well, i got to give you something practical before you go. So let me give you three things. This series is going to be a good one. I think you ought to come back for every week. And I think you ought to bring a friend. Because this is the stuff that if we don't talk about these things, if we don't address this, if we don't get good at at disagreeing agreeably, we're going to lose the next generation. Just know that. Because they care about this stuff. And so you better learn, we better learn, that our position is important, but our disposition and how we discuss it is just as important. And we better learn how to get along and discuss these things. All right, let me give you three things. One is, I think we ought to pray for other people. You gotta walk out of here, what do we do, Dave? What are you tell, calling us to do? Come back every, every week in this series, but number one is this, pray for others. I have a daily list of people that I pray for. I pray for my wife, I pray for each of my kids, I pray for my staff, I pray for this. You know who, I, who I, is not on my list? My enemies. I don't pray for the people that have given me a lot of pain. 
And I'm realizing that now. Matthew 5.43 says this, You have heard what it is said. Jesus said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Here's my challenge to you this week. Pray this week for somebody that just hurt you or rubs you the wrong way. If it's another people group, then you pray for them. Not so that they'll change to be just like you or agree with you. Pray for them that you can see them the way Jesus does. And may God change our hearts toward those uh, that we would maybe consider our enemies. Let's pray for them. Jesus said to. Second thing is let's listen to each other. When's the last time you had a real conversation with people outside of your people? When's the last time you shared a meal with somebody who wasn't like you and asked questions and, and, and really talked about things other than just the bears, right? When did you have a real conversation with somebody? So we need to do that. We need to listen to each other. A couple years ago, there was a tragic news story, a routine traffic cop, a traffic stop, and a black teenager runs, flees the vehicle, and the police shoot him, and he dies. And there is this outrage and tragedy response in our country. A lot of pain, a lot of anger. And I found myself in a conversation where there was a, a white friend and a black friend, and the three of us are having this conversation. And you know what? Those two were listening to each other. They, they said a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of hard things. They asked a lot of hard questions. But basically, you've got this white brother who's going, I... You know, you shouldn't run from the cops. I, I don't understand. And, and, and he's going, you know, uh, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand the outrage. I understand the hurt. I don't understand the outrage. And you've got my African brother who's saying, African-American brother who's saying, I, I understand where you're coming from. But there are places where a black youth, a black young man has been taught his entire life that the cops are out to get you and that the cops could hurt you. And you've got to be really careful because they shoot people like you. And, and, and so you can maybe understand that when somebody pulls you over and it gets a little intense, you get out and you run. And I don't even know if those two brothers, both of them on staff here, I don't even know if they walked away from that conversation agreeing with each other. But they listened. And they loved each other. James 1.19 says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You see, I don't, I don't have a corner on the truth. I have to listen to your perspective. You have to listen to mine. And we have to read our scriptures together. And we need to prayerfully go, God, what is the truth? Because I'm blinded by my experience. You're blinded by your experience. And, and, and we need each other to really understand the truth. So pray for others. Listen to others. And then the last one is just simply, let's try in this series and beyond to love like Jesus. Yeah. I'm, I'm running out of time, so I'm going to do this thing where you, you preach the last point. Or, excuse me, you pray the last point. Is that, care? Is that fair? So will you close your eyes and we'll finish with a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to love like Jesus. He has shown you what is good. 
and what the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would open up our eyes, each and every person at every one of our locations, everybody watching online and everybody in the room. God, show us which one of these do we need to take a next step in. God, convict us if we need to love mercy, if we need to be more charitable, if we need to sacrifice more, to sacrifice more money or sacrifice more time to meet needs in the world. God, who is it in front of us that that needs our friendship, needs their needs met. And God, show us if it's act justly. If there are places where we need to confront injustice, where we have been apathetic, God, to not stand up to attitudes that do not please you or systems that do not please you. God, help us not to be silent. And Father, I pray that we would walk humbly with you. Maybe for us, our next step is is to figure out, God, where is an area that you're calling us to obey you, to change our thinking, to not just simply adopt the world's thinking because the people in power or the majority are so clear on it, God. Maybe we need to change our thinking, align our hearts and our minds with your scripture, with your word. Dear Jesus, Help us to love mercy, to act justly, and to walk humbly with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Holy, there is no.